Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Tech Smash Bros. So today I caught up with David again. It's kind of our weekly thing. Uh, we talked about what we did in the past week, and then our discussion became a little bit more lively, which is great. And we talked about two topics really. Uh, the first one being what can be considered a sport, and then we kind of went on this like free discussion about the linguistics of, of sport. Um, and we also talked about uh, The Bachelor, which is like a, re- a romance reality show. We do talk about the most recent episodes, so fair warning here. Um, there may be some spoilers. All right. Well, now with further, without further ado, hope you guys enjoy the episode. And we're on the record. Tech Smash Bros. Episode. Uh, oh, I mean, eighteen. <laughs> it's <called> eighteen. <laughs> yeah. That um. Yeah, that one of the other episodes is archived until further notice. Unfortunately. Yeah. It was a good one. Uh, yeah, yeah, but um, we'll see. Maybe we'll publish it, but to be to be seen. Anyway, but yeah, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Um, it's been just a week, right, since we talked? Pretty much. Yeah, it's been a week. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've done... Uh, yeah, we've done for the last month. No, for the last three weeks, we've done podcast every... Every weekish. Yeah. Week, yeah. Yeah. No, we've been doing good. I think we just changed the times or the days, but we've done a podcast every week. Nice. I mean, yeah. the number of like plays is like slowly increasing. Is um, it really? Yeah, yeah. I think before, like when I was doing a monologue, it was like nine. Now it's like a 20. Really? Uh, it's slowly, yeah, slowly increasing. Per episode, <laughs> per episode or per... Oh, per episode, this the latest episode got twenty plays. Wow, <laughs> it's only twenty plays. I don't think we should. That's, be that hey, there. that's you know that's twenty plays more than we had before. So uh, I call well, that a win. No, but it's growing. I, I mean, I call it improvement a win too. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't mean the numbers aren't staggering, but we can uh, we can take minimal comfort in the fact that these this like this seems to be growing and it's heading in at least in the right direction. So that's um, the plug. If you are uh, listening, please make sure to <laughs> subscribe to the podcast so you get updates to know whenever we uh, release the episode. Oh, yeah. You get live metrics about the podcast, too. How well we're performing. We're a very transparent podcast. But really, I mean, I, I think we should just do this because we enjoy doing it. Like, yeah. I don't think we should cater to the audience. But... It's also good to know um, how it's being perceived by the audience. Um, I mean, you can't separate the audience from the podcast. It's like an integral part of the podcast. So keeping like track of the numbers, the audience, and the size of the podcast too is, I mean, it's like integral to what a podcast is too. So yeah, but yes, yeah, so let's not lose sight of uh, the primary reason we're doing this, which is just for us, really, you know, for our enjoyment and just for our for having a platform to express ourselves. Yep. Um, well, I mean, yeah, so it's only been a week, but anything new that you've been up to? Any updates? The past uh, week? my Christmas tree is still up. Oh, let me see. It's still up. I don't know if you can see it from. Oh, it's a big ass tree. That's a big tree. It's like seven feet. What's <laughs> a big tree? It'd be <laughs> an ordeal to get rid of that for one person. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. It was my, my, I mean, this is my first solo apartment. Uh, previously I've had roommates. So, uh, you know, I was like, you know what? And I'm not a holiday like celebrator person. Like, um, uh, I don't even really celebrate my birthday. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I want to make this house a home. So I'm going to put up a tree. And then I, I put it up like a week before Christmas. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to have it up until the end of January. So nice. Christmas we call, in January. We call that self-love. Exactly. In the house just for yourself. <laughs> Someone interpret that as, wow, he's just so self-absorbed. He just takes care of himself and not other people. <laughs> there are many some, ways you can look at this. <laughs> some, you know, some might argue that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, mean, I mean, I look at that and I think that's self-love and I completely respect that. Yeah. I mean, I got a, I got a Christmas tree that's like a foot long, maybe. <laughs> I'm looking oh, at it right now. It's like, it looks like a, maybe a foot and a half long. Um, which I don't know I should take as a sign of like a lack of self-love. I don't think that's the case. It's just, I just don't put that much stock into. Oh, because um, you're a minimalist. That's why. Yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit. Um, I don't I don't know about a minimalist. I think it's just, here's my definition of self-love. I'm kind of winging this right now. But if you invest resources and time into the things that you appreciate and are passionate about, that's an expression of like self-love. Hmm. I don't have a vested interest or I don't have like a much of a passion for a Christmas tree and I don't get any value from it. That's why <laughs> I don't really invest in it. Thus my like um, lack of expenditure and my lack of investment in Christmas tree is not indicative of a lack of self-love. Does that make sense? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Cause I'm not, I don't have, I don't draw value from that. But if I draw value from like, let's say um, um, uh, good food, and if I spend more money on good food, I feel like that's an expression of self-love. And if I don't spend money in good on good food, then that's like a lack of expression of self-love because I do value good food. So it's it's like the expression and increased activity in the things that you value that really is indicative of self-love, not increased activity in things that you don't value. Yeah, I can see that because like I I started uh, buying plants uh, during this whole era that we're in and uh i find it to be a very therapeutic thing especially like on the days that i water my plants just going around and just like giving them some water and just like taking care of them it's very like soothing for my soul so yeah i i think i guess that's appeal my girlfriend likes plants that's kind of the only reason i have plants (laughs) otherwise you would not have plants i don't think so but there are i mean there are also benefits like um it, it cleans the air yeah so there's value there too. Um, I, I think I would have had plants, but I think she values plants because of the reasons you said. Like your soul feels cleansed a little bit. It's nice yeah. to be. Um, so yeah, that's that's. I, see, I think a lot of people can empathize with that. Yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, and it's like, I think now I'm just getting into like the the lifestyle that that surrounds that like a lot of domestic things or domesticated things like I've been like, yeah. or like interior, de- interior decorating type stuff that That's I wouldn't only, normally be into. Yeah. You wouldn't be normally into though, if it wasn't a lockdown, right? It's I just wouldn't have the time because I'd be at work, you know? You're still working from home though. Yeah. 
but you have more time because you're working from home. I, 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 yeah. I think really, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, but I mean, you still have a desk at the office, though. Why not have plants around and you can still water them? I don't know. I think before I wasn't, it's forced me to slow down. So, like, there's certain things in my schedule to where I'm pretty, uh, I'm very strict with, like, I think we talked about this before with my schedule, but also, like, like for example, Sundays, yeah. I don't do parties on Sundays or, like, go out on Sundays. Like, that Sundays are for me to, like, recharge and, like... Yeah um cook and just like do things that feed my my soul uh-huh. <laughs> uh, for lack of a better term um and yeah i just feel honestly i feel a lot more at peace than i did when i was commuting and just like i'm in my car all the time like now i maybe drive once or twice in a week if that yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel, yeah, I feel a lot more like things are like slower and I'm able to like take my time and enjoy things a little bit more. Hmm. So it's not because you're less busy, maybe because you're more relaxed. That might, that might play a bigger role. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm just more relaxed. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe just, uh, I mean, when you go in the office, like people are moving around a lot, like this atmosphere of hectic, the hecticness is all around you too. So yeah. everything seems like a little bit more crazy and unsettling too. Yeah. Yeah. So the busyness might, yeah, might, might be, a, or the lack of it might be a reason why your mind is able to enjoy these different things. Yeah. Dude, did you get a haircut, by the way? Uh, I cut my own hair. I could tell. Like your, your, your hair is there, but your facial hair is all there. So. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You just shaved, you just shaved it? Clean uh, this was like two weeks ago. But if the thing is, is if I wear a hat, so if you see me wearing a hat, then there's a good chance that it's because I need a haircut. Um, and I did it before previously, but then I don't know. I just kind of let let it go, just do its thing. Um, and then I just got to the point where I was like, yeah, it really need to cut my hair. So uh, was it the week before? Yeah, the week before I gave myself a haircut. I see. I see. But the facial hair. But the facial hair stays. Yeah, I'm trying to see what's going on with it. Uh, I might, sh- I was, I don't know. On one hand, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to rock it the entire year. Um, but then also at the other, uh, on the other side, I'm just like, man, like, it's very itchy. It's just very, just like, I feel very grisly. If- <laughs> <laughs> no, the contrast is interesting. Shaved hair on top, with the facial hair growing at the bottom. Yeah, because when I shave it, I look a lot younger. I look very young. So that's all. <laughs> the thing. It's like, Are you sure you look very young? <laughs> I look like early 20s when I shave. Uh, wow. Like uh, maybe like 21, 22. Um, and so like, I don't know if that's a, a good thing or bad thing. Um, but and you look younger. You're right. You do look younger. I feel when you lose the facial hair, whether yeah. you look at the early 20s, um, that's up for debate. We can bring in our peers as a panel to objectively judge that. Let's do a poll. You <laughs> <laughs> bust out the pictures. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you definitely look younger when you shave your facial hair. Dude, your house does, you, 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 I feel like the, like three weeks ago, your house, I'm looking at your house right now. 
I, I thought it felt emptier when I looked at it three weeks ago. It feels like there's more stuff in your house now. Uh, yeah, I've been like, um, that's like my whiteboard I use for all my workouts. I think it's, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah. And the then, plants, I feel like they're new. I, I don't think I've seen the plants before, like three weeks ago. Have they I, I did get some new plants. Um, oh, okay. This little one right here is pretty cool. It's a rattlesnake plant. And, um, at night it closes up and then in the day it opens, it opens up. Um, and then that one, the big one. The palm. I've had that since uh, shutdown. Oh. Um, it just keeps growing. And then I have another palm in the back on my kitchen table that is like a baby palm that I got. And um, oh. that one's starting to grow. So, Have you not considered ever getting a pet while you're in this lockdown? <sighs> That's too much responsibility. Interesting. So you have like a threshold of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. like an optimum combination. Yeah. <laughs> And the amount of responsibility you want to assume. Which makes yeah. Sense. Like, cause like plants, it's like once a week I water every so often I can re repot them. But when you have like, like a dog or like a fish, like that's a life that you have to sustain. Yeah. And to have that life dependent on me, I don't know if right now I'm in that space to, to handle that. Wow. This almost um, sounds like you would not be open to dating as well. Because you'd be dating? responsible. Kind of, yeah. Because if you're dating someone, you have to be responsible in a way to the other person's life and other person's emotion a little bit. Uh, I'm like a leap here, but I mean, it's in the same realm of responsibility, this, this topic of responsibility in a way. Not really. Honestly, I I actually like, I guess you could say I date pretty frequently. I guess it's, maybe it's just different. Cause like, it's like another human being. So like, like they can go, like they can go home and like take care of themselves. Like they can. Uh, They're not overly reliant on you. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I see. But then that, I mean, you know, but if you, if you date long enough and it becomes serious enough, then your lives get more and more intertwined. Right. And I don't mind that, that I don't mind because even still like she, like she can take care of herself. You know, like, it's not like I have to do, like, I have to, like, buy the food, open up the food, put it in a dish for her, and then feed her the food, you know? And if I don't do that, then she dies. <laughs> As opposed to, like, an animal, they're so dependent on you, like, every single step that if you don't take that step, if you forget to feed them for one day, then it's, like, it's your fault. You know, right, right. And so yeah. there's like that, responsibility is a lot bigger. Yeah, there's like that shared uh, that shared experience to where it's like, okay, if I'm busy, let's say for example we're living together, I'm busy, she can cook, and like make dinner or something like that for both of us. Uh huh. I, you know, when I'm done doing whatever it is that I'm doing, but yeah, I don't. Think they're gonna rip you apart. The traditional roads that you're dividing, David. And what? The traditional roles that you're dividing. You're the one that's working and she's the one that's cooking. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, that's not what I'm saying. Defend yourself. <laughs> I'm saying shared. How, why, is that the, why is that the first thing your mind turns to? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying shared responsibilities. Division yeah. of labor. That's all I'm saying. Equal yeah. opportunist. You could be you could be the one cooking and she could be working. Whatever, like somebody has more free time than the other two. You guys can support each other. You, you know what? I will say that 
anybody that I've been with, I have done my fair share of cooking. Okay. You're feeling defensive. <laughs> yeah, I do I feel called you, I called you out or something. <laughs> and you make it seem like I'm an opportunist. Like, I only want this I, person I, in my life. I was, you think- you. I was kind of framing it that way. But I mean, yeah, it could happen that you're the one that's busy and she's cooking. Nothing sexist about that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah, I think that, I think like, you know, like with a partner, it's like, yeah, like. It's like if I was sick, right? Like that person could take care of me. But if a dog is sick, the dog can't take care of itself. Right, like, right. Oh. The burden of responsibility is disproportionately falls. It's on always. It's like somebody described it as like pets are uh, the only leeches that we actually like enjoy having in our lives. Not as true. As babies. You you consider a baby a leech? Well, I mean, babies are overly, I'm okay. Leech is a very questionable word, but you are, you're characterizing a pet as like being overly reliant on you, right? Like overly dependent on you. Yeah. So a baby as well, they're going to depend everything on you. When they shit, you got to clean up for them. You got to feed them. When they cry, you got to comfort them. That makes sure they're warm when they're sleeping. So. But the ROI with a, a, an infant or baby is a lot larger than with the pet. Than a baby, than a, I mean, yeah, I mean, emotionally, <laughs> spiritually, yes. Because <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about it, right? Like, you're 60, 70, yeah. your kid can help you do things as opposed yeah. to a pet. Maybe you get 15, 20 years. You yeah. still have to pay for that pet to get buried or potentially euthanized. You have to put insurance on that pet. It's uh-huh. just, it's, it's not a fair trade off. Yeah, and from a completely detached perspective, I, I know that using the term ROI in a baby doesn't sound humane too. But with every decision in life too, there's like you can have a framework of rationality. And so let's suppose we put that framework of rationality on a baby too. The baby later is gonna be self-sustainable. The little pet won't too. So yeah, plus one for babies. Yeah. Um that was an interesting discussion. Let us move on. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I picked up tennis, dude. Um, so really? I played golf before, and I picked up tennis. It is so much more uh, cost efficient. Because every time you play golf, you have to buy balls to hit. Like Every time you buy balls to hit, let's say if you buy 100 balls, it's like $13. Every time you play. Before a tennis court, you just visit. Mm-hmm. Like You just buy the racket. And the court is open and it's available to the public. So you don't have to pay like an entry fee every time you play. Mm-hmm. So I bought it because... It's, it's How often do you lose balls? For tennis or for golf? Uh, for golf. <clears throat> golf? No, golf. You, yeah, have you have you not played golf? There's a driving range you go to? No, yeah, yeah. I used to... Uh, I, had, I used to have golf clubs and I would go to the driving range. But I'm talking about like a regular game. Oh, no, I don't lose balls that often. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. Yeah, I'm not that good, but I don't lose balls that often. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you have previous experience with tennis before or just... I played, like, I had lessons when I was, like, maybe eight for, like, a few months. So, no, not really. But the number of sports that you can do during this lockdown is very limited. It's, like, golf or tennis or running or jump roping. I mean, running now, like you're getting to already, you get into territory of whether running or jump roping is a sport. Like if you're running, running is a sport. I don't know, man. 
How is it not? I, I put in the category of an exercise. <laughs> it's in the Olympics, though. Running in the Olympics? Yeah. Like, oh, like track, like sprinting? Yeah, there's skill to it. Hmm. Bringing up a good point. Wow, interesting. So is a sport something that's like... Oh, I mean, yeah, we can go a little bit. Uh, we can go deep into this. But to make it simple, is anything in the Olympics a sport? Because that's is that is that true? Is that accurate? I think that's a fair uh, a fair definition, and uh, a fair barrier to entry into categorization as a sport. Mm-hmm. What is that? Where's that? What's that sport where you like throw a really heavy ball as far as you can? Shot put. That's a sport too. Then yeah, throwing throwing a ball as far as you can. I mean, I don't see why not. Like, it requires. You know, strength, skill, and, you have to practice, and yeah. you compete against other people. I feel like practicing, or I, I will say this, uh, I would ask, can you compete in it? If you could say yes, then that's the first one. I see. Um, is there skill involved in it? Then yes. Um yeah, I think those are, I would say for me, at least, those are like the two main questions that I would ask to determine that. Wow. It's interesting. We're getting to the philosophy of sports. I do like this discussion. <laughs> uh, so like competing and is there skill involved? Those are your criteria. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like if we list out examples that would fit that criteria and see if there's, those are actually sports, that would then help assess whether your criteria is solid or not. So here are some examples that I can think of that fit your criteria. Um... Well, then, uh, computer games. Yeah. You call it a sport. There's, there's skill involved, and there's kind of competition, so that's a sport. Yeah, you can play it for sport. Poker is a sport, then, too. Uh-huh. I so guess. Is, um, <laughs> skipping rocks. Skipping yeah. rocks is also a sport. Cause you can that could be a sport, yeah. That's a sport. Okay. Um... You could do anything could be a sport. You're right. Is broadcasting a sport then? Journalism, is that a sport? Uh, is writing books a sport? I mean... <laughs> Fit your criteria. It requires skill to write. I you mean... Don't compete in it entails. I mean... It, I... Yeah, there needs to be more, man. You can't call writing a book a sport. I mean, in fact, your whole life is a sport. Our whole lives are a sport. Work I is mean, a sport. Basically, I mean, when you think about it, it is very much uh, competitive in nature. It's, and there's skill involved. There's skill involved. There's winners and losers. Well, I guess, what do you define as winning and losing in life? But, you know, there's winners and losers. Uh, yeah, you compete for a spot. There's only one person that can maybe get promoted, whatnot. Yeah. Nah, There's it's, it's too loose a definition of a sport. I don't think we call like going to the office a, a sport. I think there's more involved. I, th- I think I, I think there's at least a minimum level of physical skill that you need to display um, for it to be considered a sport. But what would, what could be considered a level of minimum skill? Yeah, that's that's where it gets tricky. Like, what is that minimum level of skill? Like, 
for computer games, it's to, just the use of your like fingers, maybe, right? Poker, yeah. the physical skill is maybe like keeping a poker face, controlling your face expressions, and using your fingers to. Well, look what, what is what is. Let's ask Google. You're gonna ask what the definition of sport is. Yeah. Sports definition. An activity involving physical exertion. I was right. Physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Okay, so that's another element. So four elements in this definition. Wait, wait, wait. What what uh, definition are you using for that? I, I don't know. It's just the first thing that turned up in Google. Merriam-Webster or dictionary.com? I, uh, we're, it says diction definition from Oxford languages. Well, I'll go to Merriam-Webster too. Because if you, if, if, okay, so yeah, there's a lot of different definitions of what could be, what could to be. amuse oneself. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I mean, okay, yeah, it's like laughing is not a sport. Come on. Um, sexual play is a sport. Interesting. I mean, that makes, I mean, I don't know about the element of competition in sexual play. Huh. An individual exhibiting a sudden deviation from from type beyond the normal limits of an individual variation, usually as a result of mutation, especially of somatic tissue, is very scientific. That's uh, yeah. I don't think I don't think that's the same application we're thinking of for sport. No, this is way too. This is way too um, like very broad and very flexible definition of sport. I think we're thinking about a, a particular. Here, what is defined as a sport? I'm looking at Forbes. Oh, okay. No. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you said no, nah, and then you said go ahead. Yeah. Dictionary.com defines sport. I mean, for I think this article gets a collection of a definition of sports from different sources. So mm-hmm. it's not just it's not Forbes opinion necessarily, but they did some research that uh, references of some other third sources. So Dictionary.com defines sport as an athletic activity requiring skill or physical prowess. So three elements: athletic. Or it's just two, because then then we'd have to define what athletic means. But it's like just skill or physical prowess. Those are like the two elements in a sport. And it's an activity. I guess that's a third element. It's an activity. Um, and then I mentioned some specific sports like racing, baseball, tennis, golf, bowling, wrestling, hunting, and fishing. Oxford dictionary Oxford dictionary defines sport as an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. So here there's like a lot of like different elements. There's activity, physical exertion, that's two, skill, that's three, competition, four, and five, entertainment. Um, so yeah, there are many elements here. I guess the big takeaway from this article is a sport isn't really well defined. It's not, no, there's no consensus on how to define sport. Um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, Try to get into discussion right now. You'd probably go into a rabbit hole, which I'm happy yeah. to do. But a rabbit hole is the discussion of what what is a sport. But I I don't think your two criteria like at the minimum. I think we can maybe agree on what the minimum criteria for a sport is. But competition and skill are too enough. No, that's that's a. I feel like that's exactly in the definitions that you described. Like they all at least mentioned physical exertion as well. But that's that can be considered a skill, right? Like playing tennis right. is a skill, right? 
but it's a narrow definition of a skill. If you just say skill in general, so many things can pop as a skill. Like my Come on. Skill. <laughs> Hitting a ball a takes skill. Hitting a ball takes skill. Shooting a ball in a hoop takes skill. Right, right. But, but, but a ball that's, takes skill. that's your only criterion, though. My ability with my eyes to read long-range letters is also a skill. That can be a sport. Speed reading. Who could read, a, who could read uh, an essay the fastest? Is that really a sport or it's like saying math, um, like, you know, mathletes. Yeah. Um, how is that not? Uh, math Olympics. You mad, you're saying, you're saying math Olympics, like people competing in math. That's a sport. You just, it's it, it, really. It, it requires skill. Yes. Does it require, is it competitive? Yes. This is all assuming that your definition of a sport is valid, which I'm saying. I don't think it's valid because everything is a skill. Everything is a sport, man. Which I mean would be a very profound statement on your part. But it can, but it can be. It really. It, I think that's where. I mean, you look at all the different sources or the sources for definitions of sport, and there's very conflicting uh, uh, definition. Well, not conflicting, but there's a disagreements in regards to like their differences. Definition of a sport, and so I think that's just the nature of what it is, right? Because anything can can be a sport in this day and age. Who thought who would have thought that computer games would be competitive and could be considered a sport? I mm, but think but computer games, they don't say sport. They say esports. Right? E-sport. It's like having sports with an asterisk. Because they need to qualify it's a that sport. actual activity. Because it's not it's really electronic sport. Dude, the whole, the whole, the, the whole fact that they have to have like prefix with eat already undermines classifying computer games as a sport. Like that's all like it's like built in. That's you know what I mean. It's like built itself, and it, it's already implicit. It's like built in that they don't consider computer games a real sport because they so have to the consider. Call it a sport then. Why not call a computer game a sport? They call do it. Do you a consider sport. emails mail? No, because there's there's an e attached before the mail. It's an electronic mail. There is a difference. And that's exactly it. It's the the difference is acknowledged by in the word itself. Uh, so, I mean, at best, like you can you can't call um, you can't call. What did you say? What was this? What was a ridiculous sport you mentioned? Well, like long range speed reading, you say you can't yeah. I don't know, calling speed reading. How is it not? You call it a sport. It, How is it, it not? Physical exertion using your eyesight. <laughs> okay, okay, you're right. Okay, let's, let me try to tackle that criteria there. So it uses your eyesight and you read it, but it's uh, you can compete, you have people who can. Uh, who are slower, who are faster, their skill, elements of skill. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna classify a little bit more. I, I think that's like a but that's like a mental it's a mental skill. It's not a physical skill. Okay, how about this? When you work all day, do you get mentally exerted? Yeah, but that's exactly mental exertion is not a classifier for you, a traditional sport. <laughs> but you get tired, don't you? Mentally, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what's the, I'm just saying, what's the difference between getting tired mentally and physically? Uh, you just the words itself acknowledge the difference. There's a mental aspect to it. And there's a physical aspect to it. They're both exert- exhaustions, but I think I think it's integral to a sport that there's a physical element to it. At least how we understand sport to be. And sport is a very socialized word too, right? Sports came about because they're human beings that you know invented these activities too. So 
it, like inevitably the definition of a sport is going to be intertwined with uh, what humans consider to be sport. It's like what's prototypical of a sport. Like, but like I think a that's, thing. that's very like that's a very old world thinking of the defin of like what sport is like, especially now in the in the world that we are in now. Like, there's going to be a time where, well, uh, where VR might be our primary way of uh, connecting. And so, like, in that instance, would that be considered, like, you know, like, people play, like, Wii uh, Fitness, right? Yeah. Or, like, Wii uh, Boxing. Like, could you, could that be competitive? Could that be There's sport? physical exertion that's required in that. It's a video game, but you're getting physically exerted. There's skill that's required in that. I think when there becomes some schism in what you tradition, what you traditionally define as a sport, what the prototype of, the, of a sport are, then the definition and the boundaries of the definition of that word are going to be challenged. For VR, that's a really good point. I think the difference between VR and what we prototypically think of in the sport is that it's completely based in reality. Um, so that might be another element you introduce to a sport. Like if you start shifting the world around, word around so much, the word starts losing integrity. What's the what's the whole point of having that word if you can just change it to whatever you want it to be? Then it loses it loses its power in like defining something. So like the very nature, the very essence, and the existence of the word itself relies on it having some boundaries that won't blur. Uh, that we won't let blur too much uh, given like different scenarios in the evolution of the world. But I think that's just how the world works though. Like things change over time. What we thought were things in the past are no longer, you know, at some point people thought the world was flat and now we know oh, there's people that still think the world is. is no, flat. no, that's a, that's a concept though. That's a concept. A sport is a concept. No, no, no. The word, no, sorry, wait, let me, let me take this. Let me take the, the, the concept of the world being flat or not. Like, that was, you know, being debated. But the word yeah. flat, that was never in question. We knew what the fuck the word, word flat meant. Like, that was not in question. The word itself was not in question. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, the boundaries I, of the word were very clear. But it's the reality, right? That I think that's what it is, right? The reality of how the world operates. Is the world flat or is it round? Is it a sphere? Right. Is that... that defined yep. by physical activity or is it defined by our imagination and and what we can perceive to be competitive requires skill exertion in the, other dimensions the reason that analogy doesn't work is because in in the earth part you're you're debating like a physical reality that's that's what you're debating whether it's flat or not yeah like an observation whether it's flat or not that's an observation the word sport is is already a contrived word. It's already a contrived like fictional concept. But there's no actual the there's no a, there's no consistent definition across uh, uh, entomology uh, or dictionaries, right? Like everybody has their own definition that's slightly different than the other one that has one concept. You know, dictionary.com says this, whereas Merriam-Webster says this. This organization says this. The Olympics says this. Right. I I think I see what you're uh, saying. But if you use a word, there's become such a certain point where you use a word so flexibly, the word just loses value. 
at least in these different definitions, there seems to be some similarities in calling it like an activity requiring skill or physical prowess. Um, and I think part of that um, just shows that there seems to be some sort of agreement in what that word should stand for. Now, as like these uh, world evolves, like computer sports and whatnot, you know, we the challenges the boundaries of that, def- that 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 word sport. But the reason they put the prefix e sport instead of just sport is because it doesn't fit that prototype of what that word is supposed to mean of a sport. So there seems to be some sort of like underlying prototype that they think of, and if if a certain concept deviates from that prototype significantly enough, you can't call it a sport anymore. I guess it's like a connotation that's that's not explicitly spelled out in the definition of a word. So yeah, yeah. Wow, that was a that was a very uh, that was a very lively discussion. I don't know. I mean, I guess and and maybe <laughs> I'm not convinced. <laughs> I'm I'm not. I really think that I think more and more we start to see how what we establish as being like black and white issues or black and white definitions can't really truly be black, black and, white and white off of how the world operates and works. So, so the way you're thinking right now is like an argument against the credibility and the reliability of words. So if I take your line of thinking, like, um, you know, how, uh, and now I don't even know what exactly you're saying, but like you're saying like things are concepts, not black and white, you know, words are, in themselves you're i think what you're saying in the way is that words need to adapt to reality not that real we need to not that we need to um describe reality in words but that words just need to like defer to reality yeah i, I mean that's, that's kind like, of what saying, like at a high level but you see if you do that you kind of defeat the whole purpose of words no. words words is supposed to describe elements of reality if you have words like shift so frequently then you don't have a language. Like nobody will understand what each other. Let's say if we take your like thinking to the extreme, a microphone is something that, you know, uh, let's say, uh, let's define this as um, something that um, amplifies. Okay. That's, that's the definition of microphone. Yeah. Now we, now we abuse that. You, we completely abuse the boundaries of that word a little bit and go like, oh yeah, well then water can amplify waves and whatnot. So water is a microphone as well. But if everybody understood water to be a microphone as well, nobody would understand what you mean by a microphone. Like if, if, um, if uh, a, like, um, uh, it's, well, I don't know, like, uh, like a bottle was also considered a microphone because it could am- amplify. So if I say microphone, now I can mean an actual microphone that we're accustomed to seeing. I can mean water and I can also mean an empty bottle. Nobody would understand if you say microphone. So. But I think that's antithetical. Doing that is antithetical to the concept of a word. That happens all the time. Like, for example, um, the word bitch, which technically means a female dog. But in today's society, it no longer has, for I would say most majority of people, it's used as a vulgar slang word as opposed right, to right, right, meaning right. as Did uh, you watch like the history of swear words on Netflix? Is that where you're coming from, where this is coming from? No, is there actually a, a, a show? On that? <laughs> There's a show. Yeah, the history of swear words, yeah. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. I seen maybe that. that's maybe that's what we should watch and then come back and then discuss <laughs> that. Maybe that'll give us more insight about like what what boundaries of words and their definitions of words need to be respected. And what shouldn't be? Maybe 
maybe we should watch that. But yeah, you're right. Like bitch, that that word um, before it was like something. It wasn't malignant. It was, it was referred to a female dog, but now it's it's used um, in an antagonistic way. Yeah, and um, I, I, that's why I say like I think in like as much as we should at least understand the context and the history of things and and where things are derived, things are going to change, you know, and shift their yeah. meaning in regards to what they will mean in the future. I mean, it's, it's just like, that's just how I think words work. Yeah. But there's does seem to be like some arbitrary boundary, like, okay, you know, at some point, if we're not going to try to fit a certain concept into a word, we're going to make a whole new word, other word for it, because otherwise we compromise the integrity of the word. There seems to be some sort of like threshold that um, makes it so that we we fit a concept in another word instead of like try to fit too many concepts in one word. I don't know what that boundary is. I'm not a, we're like, I feel like we're, we're basically not like word, going for a discussion of linguistics. Like we're like majoring linguistics at this point right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, a, this, it's an interesting concept. I mean, you think of like the English language, right? Like it's an amalgam of so many different other languages that have yeah. been essentially brought together in a way to where, you know, we we are from different places, but as long as we understand or know how to speak English, we can communicate to some bare in some minimum fashion. Um, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that 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 sort of that state of affairs is informed also by like economic power and military power and probably history as well. It's more yeah. Complicated. <clears throat> Dude, okay. I think we we bury this topic for now, table it for now, and then we can pick this up at some point. Because also, we need to discuss The Bachelor. Uh, so I know you weren't um, too happy. It looks like, yeah, you you had a lot to say, a lot of complaints and criticisms about that episode. So I do want to hear your thoughts. Um, I'll also do a little alert or uh, FYI for spoiler alerts because we'll be talking about... Um, I think it's episode three of the latest bachelor featuring Matt James as a bachelor, the first ever black bachelor. Um, and it, it's, it's a bachelor season that's being filmed during the lockdown. Yeah. And I, I, so I've watched up until I have like 20 minutes left of uh, season or episode three, but I've watched episode one and episode two. What do you think so far? Why don't you like him so much anymore? So let me start with what I do like. I will say The Bachelor is very much a sport for me now, I think. Sport? Even though I've only watched a few episodes. By God be by God. Don't use Uh, that word. If I start uh, betting on who's going to win, don't be surprised. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly... I love it has all of the elements that I love in a reality <laughs> show series. Oh, quite, really? Like yeah. what? It's just like romance. It, there's romance. There's uh, uh, delusions of grandeur. There's toxicity. There's <laughs> uh, naivety. There's just like everything that I need. It's brilliant. The poster is there. Yeah. It's brilliant, huh? Yeah, it's. I I wish I would have started watching it a lot sooner. <laughs> uh, I feel like I feel like when you grow older and you see how much you matured and you look back at your life, you can be glad that you didn't 
spend too much time watching the bachelor no nah, i i will be watching the bachelor uh as i grow old so i mean so am i so am i but if i'd watch this like when i was younger too i i i, I can't imagine what kind of values i would have and how my subconscious might have been affected so yeah so i think the thing is is that i feel like like if i was watching this at 18 it would be different now yeah being 30 and watching this because like now I see all of the, the like the stupid things that I've done in dating as well as things that I feel are smart things that I've done in dating. Um, what is the smart thing you've done? I'm curious. Can you share? <laughs> You're curious? <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, I guess like having like judgment of like, like character, like being able to see um, like, for example, with like the whole situation with uh, Victoria. Victoria. Matt can't see that like he she is playing him like a fiddle and she's manipulative and she's destructive and he just kind of like believes every word that she says and it's like I if in that scenario like I would have not automatically assumed that Marilyn was in the wrong I would yeah. have done my due diligence to figure out okay these two are saying this but what's everybody else saying and I feel like he didn't even do that he just I, yeah, I, uh... oh Victoria said this. Okay, I believe her. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you there. What? How would you have behaved? What do you think was the proper thing to do? So let's set the scenario up. Um, so Victoria, one of the contestants in The Bachelor, uh, she's kind of this toxic personality, and um, she like, criticizes everyone and badmouth, badmouths everyone. She's like very aggressive towards The Bachelor. Anyway, um, there is there's like a, I think it was a group date or something, or like it was. Uh, um, after party before the rose ceremony and Victoria approaches Matt James, the bachelor. And then she tells Matt, Oh, you know, my roommate, Marilyn, she's been very mean to me. Um, she, I forgot what, but anyway, she's been very mean to me. And then Matt believes her, David, if you were the bachelor or if you're telling Matt James how to behave, what would be the right, uh, course of action to take here? I honestly, I would have asked all the other women. I would have been like, hey, what's going on here? Like, you know, I don't have, you know, eyes everywhere. So I don't know what kind of, you know, interactions you guys are having. But do you guys get bad vibes from from Maryland? Like, that would have been the most like neutral thing to do. But he couldn't even do that. Like, he, I, I just don't think he has a very good judgment, good um, ability to, um, decipher cues and understand judgment. And I think that's his ultimate problem with I, finding love. I feel like part of him is also, he has so much pressure to be a really good bachelor. I just think, I just sense that like he just wants to be a really good bachelor. And part of being a good bachelor is I can't stand for bullying. So when he heard that, I think his, um, his desire to be a good bachelor preceded any good judgment. So he was like, Oh my God, there's bullying going on. I got to quash that. And that preceded like due factors of due diligence. He was being nice. Like he, I, I think, yeah, I think he, yeah, I think he was blinded by uh, in a way, like his, his desire to be a good bachelor. I think that's what it was. And it, that was, that that's not good. Um, and, and that, in mind, that scenario, I would have, not because it was very apparent in his face, especially when he's hearing this from Victoria, that he was believing her. Like the very first thing I would have done 
hopefully. I don't I don't know if I was ever the bachelor that I would be able to do what I'm saying because I'm sure there's like a lot of pressure going around too. But I think what the right thing should have done immediately would have been, okay, I hear what you're saying and not believe her at first entirely. And then hear Marilyn's side first. But he, when he went to talk to Marilyn to, uh, to hear her side of the story, I feel like at that point he was already convinced. Yeah. He already believed yeah, Victoria so much. And I think that really was driven by like his desire and just to be like, just, just to have an image and just to project or be present himself as a good bachelor too. Because um, sometimes good intentions can really, and that's a good intention, but I think sometimes good intentions can really lead to, um, I mean, I guess, yeah, in this case, a faulty decision. Also, on top of that, he, the way he operates with like, now that I feel like the women feel like they have liberty to just like cut all the other women's dates short. And so they're just like popping up when people are having, you know, that mat time or that, that, that individual date. And it's like, if that was him and I'm trying to evaluate who I want to, to potentially marry, then I want as much time with each individual woman that I, that I could possibly have to make, to help make that determination. But a girl pops up and says, Hey, your time's over. It's my time now. And it's like, all right, like, let's be considerate of each other. Let's give like, he, like, He's being nice, but he's being nice at all the wrong times. He's he's being nice at the expense of others, which is ultimately not nice. It's inconsiderate. Yeah. Yeah. If he, yeah, I, I I saw that too. I think I think are you talking about the scene where was her was her name Sarah? Yeah, yeah. Where she just pops up and, and, like, and, then, and that's like, okay, yeah. She's he's in a date with the middle of somebody, and she's like pops up. She's not supposed to be on the group date. She pops up. And then she interrupts the time and takes away time from the girl and goes like, uh, excuse me, can I talk to Matt? I'll pull it your group date. Like you, you're talking about that moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, you know, she knows there are rules for how these dates are supposed to operate. And then the next day she's like, oh, I'm not going to like hang out or interact with everybody. And then that forces him to like go up and spend more time with her when he's supposed to be on another date again. So it's like, come on, dude, like you, like. These women know that, like, they are in a situation to where they are getting table scraps of your time. And so you are the one in control. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to be, like, misogynistic or anything like that. I know, but you're right. They get very little time, too. And it feels like they're always scrambling for time. Yeah. And and if if I'm the one that they're trying to get my – then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let the girls do their thing. But at the end of the day, like I'm gonna have that final say because it's my life that's that's being affected no, at the end of the day. So yeah, I I was watching that scene and at first I was like frustrated at him. I'm like, um, you know, everybody's being hurt. Like it's costing someone's time. You know, everybody is concerned. So Matt might be concerned that she might be leaving, so he wants to console her. She's concerned because she's having these insecurities and jealousy about girls going on a group date with him. Um, the other girls are concerned because they're not getting time with Matt. So everybody's concerned. But I was like, ultimately, the, the responsibility falls on him because Sarah's responsibility is not to the other girls. It's just to herself because she yeah. wants to get, pursue Matt. The other girls' responsibility is not for the other girls. It's again to pursue Matt. But Matt is responsible for all the girls. So I thought ultimately the responsibility falls on him to be able to manage that and make sure everyone feels respected. But, but I mean... If he really liked the girl, Sarah, then 
if he was worried that he might lose her if he, if he didn't talk to her. Stop. But I also, I also understand <laughs> that he would talk to her. Stop. I also understand that. Like, it's just, it's just a human <laughs> thing to do. I feel like, so my conclusion was that situation just had to end up that way. Like, it, everything had to burst because there was no, there was no reconciling all these different concerns um, in a peaceful and harmonious manner there was just no way because all of them were at the expense of another too so i think it just played out the way it had to and really you cannot blame one single person okay. I, I put it on him because he set this precedent at the beginning when he who is he talking to i think he was talking with brie and what did he tell her he told her what can i do while you're here to make you feel secure there is nothing that he could do on this show, on this season, to make her feel secure when there's 30 other girls that are vying for his attention, that are competing for his affection. So it's it's at this point, he's setting these expectations that he's ultimately going to to like he, he's gonna fail. He's not gonna stand, be able to to You were saying he's setting himself up for failure by like promising these things to so many different exactly girls. yes mm. i feel like if he said it to one girl it's still credible but once you ask that question to two girls like what can i do to make you feel secure and you ask that question to another girl there's no way both girls can feel secure because in the end only one girl is gonna get it so maybe that was his downfall <laughs> asking that question to more than one girl i don't know if he did but if he said it to brie but he also said it to sarah then that's a very tall task to try to uphold. But okay, but I mean, even with the interaction that he had with Sarah, it was almost like she's she's feeling insecure because of all these stories that these girls created, and she doesn't want that to happen. That's understandable. If you like somebody, you want to be in a relationship with somebody. But given the nature of the show, you don't have that that like you can't be upset when all these other girls are trying to kiss him or trying I, I think, to... <laughs> I think she recognizes that, David. I think she knows that, but sometimes you just can't betray your feelings. <laughs> you, just, no. it's, you just see that happening. She just, she just feels like very jealous and insecure. And you can't help it. I, I don't blame her. It's just the way her feelings are. Mm-hmm. But she, she understands that, that that's like inevitable too, which is why I think she wants to apologize to the girls too. But also her feelings are are are, are such that like that so they so she can't help it this is you know honestly this is is my whole thing if you go on this show whether you're a a male or a female you can't be upset about anything you can't you shouldn't even be taking the show seriously because the chances of you marrying this person you have a one and 30th chance that you'll actually marry this person so why even take it seriously have fun like Whatever happens, the value of that relationship once you get to there is just so large. Because even if the chances are small, <laughs> if you get there, it's it's kind of expected value. Like you don't like um, I'm gonna go to basketball. When you shoot a three pointer, the chances of you making three pointers like forty percent, but it's three points. But it's much lower than a two pointer. But the value of a three point shooting three pointer isn't just. It's not. You don't just do it like you don't calculate the value of a three pointer with the low chances. You multiply the percentage of your three pointer with the value of the three-pointer. So 0.40, let's say you shoot 40% from three, 0.40 times three. So it's both the probability of, of the outcome and the value of the outcome that gives you the expected value. So if Matt James has like a value of infinity, that's the value of the outcome, and the probability is one out of 30, it's still infinity, man. 
Come on, no, no. Because at least if at least if Steph Curry goes 0 for 20 in a game, his team can still win if his if his teammates pick up the pace or or you know. We can't bring it, yeah, but the, the, what what the what the team brings and how they can compensate does not have any uh, factor into considering what the expected value of an outcome is. Well, we're just thinking just expected value of an outcome. The outcome being getting engaged to back, and the outcome by the other side of the basketball the for the basketball is, is getting a three pointer, making shooting a three pointer, not like you're making a three pointer. The expected value of that outcome. Um, is is the probability is low. Very low, but if the value of the outcome is high enough, then it's rational to go ahead and pursue it. Damn. Yeah, I mean, if it like, Dave, let me put it another way. So <laughs> you, you and I, you and I, let's say, let's say, let's say, dude, actually, you're you're like a case in point. Remember, um, um, remember one of the stocks that you were espousing for? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the probability of like it going crazy was not very high, right? It going really sure. well, and you just like invested heavily into it, right? Yeah, and it paid off for you, but it was the chances were slim. The chances yeah. were slim. Well, there are parts of that that there are parts of that situation that you can analogize to the Bachelor. The chances are slim to get to Matt James, like you said, one out of thirty. However many girls there are, but the value of ending up with Matt James can be like incredibly high for for whoever 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 gets him. I don't know. I mean, the attachments that you form, like all of the the emotional uh, impacts from that experience. It's like, I don't, I just don't understand how these girls operate thinking that like, I mean, do they have a high, do they have a high chance? Who knows? Maybe they do. Based no, they off don't. Of they don't. It's one in 30 chance. Like you said, I'm sure like objectively speaking, but David, there's so many situations in life where the chances are very slim, but the value is so high that you go for it. It's the same thing. It's it's the same thing. You can't separate. You can't just overly emphasize on the chances part. You got to look at the value of if you do get there, what is the value of it? I guess. I, yeah, I, I think, yeah. Man, we should. I, who knew that The Bachelor could be just such a great example of economics? And. <laughs> <laughs> we should discuss more of those elements when we discuss the bachelor like what are like more scholarly elements of the bachelor because i really think it's like it's it's a social experiment in disguise yeah it, it it really is um um like they call survivor you know we talked about survivor a little bit we call like survivor like one of the greatest social experiments in television history well so to me so is a bachelor there's so many elements social life that's in the bachelor too 25 seasons 25 seasons yeah i mean i think but still it it presents itself as like oh it's a romance show but i mean i think you can really make a strong case for it being like a like a social experiment show yeah you really can it just you're just putting a lot of artifacts around like the roses and beautiful women beautiful guys beautiful things limo lavishness to like disguise maybe what it really is like it's a social experiment in a way yeah um hey but maybe that that's what that's kind of the lens we should talk about the bachelor going forward like the, the other like the social experiment and, and the, the fascinating social aspects of the bad bachelor we should i mean i think i feel like we should have a uh recap segment in the, every week yeah every <laughs> week recap, recap the bachelor uh yeah anything anything else about um 
The Bachelor, that that's worth noting. That caught your attention. I don't know. I need to finish watching uh, episode three, so maybe I'll have some. I already think I know who's gonna who's gonna win it. Let's say right now, so that uh, we can hold ourselves accountable and we have a record of what our prediction was, mm-hmm. and then and then we can. Yeah, we yeah we have a record of what the prediction was, and then when it we we see who he ends up with, um, we can we can test it to whatever mm-hmm. we said. Uh, but do you have a prediction for who who's gonna win it all? You don't, huh? I think Sarah could potentially win it. Um, <laughs> um, finished episode. <laughs> so if not Sarah, who else? <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with Brie. Brie, was that the first one-on-one date he had? Yeah. Manager? Yeah. Dude, I'm going to go with Rachel. They show her way too often. I, I take the context clues from whoever they show the most, like, um, in, in the episodes. Mm-hmm. And they show Rachel, and she's gorgeous. But on top of that, they show her, like, in emotional scenes. So I'll, I'll run it through you. Um, mm-hmm. You know when he did a prayer and he like prayed with everyone? Yeah. They showed her crying and like they, they interviewed her. Oh, like, yeah. Like how she felt. Okay. Yeah. Case, that's exhibit A. Exhibit B on the group date, even when she lost, she cried and they did an interview and they kind of like highlighted that in that episode when she yeah. lost. And like, you remember? Like she cried a little bit and then, I don't know if you remember when she lost in the group date because she, she wasn't able to get spent. She wasn't able to spend time with him. Yeah. Even then they highlighted her. So exhibit B. Um, and exhibit C just, I feel like they show her quite a bit. Um, my girlfriend was like, maybe you're just noticing her more, but I don't think that's the case. I really do think they show her a little bit more often. Hmm. And though those are the context clues I'm taking for, I think she makes it at least pretty far. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe top two. I, I, I do think she, that's who she, he, who he'll end up with. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, mark my words. You heard it here first. Time yeah. will tell if I was, if I was right. I think I, I'm definitely going to stick with Brie. Um, I, I just think that in terms of just like an actual like connection that's like balanced and like very seems like there's a lot of promise. I think they, they seem like very compatible people together. Mm. Um, now, I don't know if that's what he wants and what he's looking for, but they seem very compatible. When I watch him, I really don't feel like his motives are entirely in matchmaking and finding this great match. I really feel like he's clouded by this pressure of like presenting a good image of himself, um, being like the responsibility of being the first ever Black Bachelor too. I think that weighs on him as well. Um, I feel like it, it clouds the pure judgment of who is best for me. Yeah. Um, so when he like goes on these dates and selects these dates, I, I can't. And when he makes these judgments and when he makes these comments, I can't take them as fully motivated and purely motivated by I'm looking for the one for me. And that that kind of detracts away from the authenticity, authenticity of it for me. Yeah. Uh, Not to mention all the crying, like all the cutscenes and like the trailers of him crying. And I'm like, dude, like, what are you crying for? Like you're in a situation to where you have 30 women that all think that they want to marry you. <laughs> like, 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 what kind of pressure? Like, you even if you didn't find anybody, you still put yourself out in a position to where your potential pool of suitors is that much larger than any other person. 
No, I mean, I, I understand the crime, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, even if you're the bachelor, there's still a lot of pressure. And some would argue even more pressure as a bachelor than, than the bachelorettes that are out there, too. Because um, you have to make the one choice. Because you're rejecting 29 people. We're only choosing one. That's like, that means you're, that means you, that's a lot of pressure on your ability to make a good judgment call, too. So, anyway, we can talk more. This is all, this is all very fascinating from linguistics to the bachelor and just, yeah, the intricacies and, and little details and devilish details of the bachelor and the social experiment aspect of it. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's it. Yeah. I think that's it. That's it for now. Uh, well, yeah, we'll rest up. Um, we got episode four on, uh, Sunday or Monday if you're on a if you're a Hulu subscriber. Oh, episode four of The Bachelor. Yeah, <laughs> you're advertising The Bachelor, <laughs> dude. The Bachelor's our side show. That the the main show is our podcast right now. <laughs> you need to advertise our podcast, not not The Bachelor. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on the <laughs> podcast if you're listening yeah. to this. Available on Spotify and Apple. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is, as usual, this is a, a nice deviation from uh, from the week. So uh, I guess I'll catch you in uh, the next episode. Yeah, that sounds good. Have a good night, David. All right. I will Take see care. you later. Bye-bye.